Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is available for free in iTunes at the iTunes Store, and it's also available for free at thejazzsession.com, where you'll also find all of the archives of the show, plus written interviews, live jazz news, and lots of jazz links. Don't forget our cause of the month this month is Musicians Village in New Orleans. It is a project of Harry Connick Jr., Branford Marsalis, and the New Orleans Habitat for Humanity. And I hope you'll click on the link at thejazzsession.com and give them some money. Well, today is my birthday, as it turns out, September 10th. I'm 35 years old today, and uh, I was born in a little town called Lenox, Massachusetts, which is the home of Tanglewood, and this is the second in uh, three shows, all debuting this week, with artists recorded at the 2008 Tanglewood Jazz Festival, which was over Labor Day weekend. The first show was Eddie Daniels, which uh, went live on Monday. And coming up, you're going to hear from Spencer Day on Friday. Today's show is by a vocalist who just absolutely knocked me out when I was at the Tanglewood Jazz Fest. Her name is Joe Laurie. Uh, it's pronounced like the British truck, but it's spelled L-A-W-R-Y. She's from Australia, and uh, she's just a fantastic singer and a very impressive songwriter as well. She's got a new album that's a mix of originals and standards called I Want to Be Happy, and this is the title track. I want to be happy, but I can't be happy till I make you happy. My guest is Joe Laurie. She's a vocalist, and uh, I saw her at the Tanglewood Jazz Festival this evening. And it's it's not very often that I'm just totally stopped in my tracks by someone, but I really was by you. And uh, your friend Kate McGarry, who's been on the show, was kind enough to introduce me. And so welcome to the jazz session. Thank you. Thanks for that introduction. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. It's the truth. Uh, the record is called I Want to Be Happy. And I think the first thing that really uh, knocked me off my feet was this tune uh, called Small House. Will you talk a little bit uh, about that? <laughs> well, that tune was actually written as something of an apology to my lovely partner in, in music and, and life and living. Um, vibraphonist James Chip, who's on the record, and um, I'm in the midst of doing my doctorate at the moment, so study is pretty hectic, and trying to do that in a basement studio with six-foot ceilings, living with a percussionist who is constantly playing and who has about a million drums is a tough task, and this one day I just completely lost it and said you've got to get out I've got to study you've got to go I don't care where you go what you do 
just please be out of the house. And I, I was not very nice about it. And um, so I kicked him out just for the day. And um, I felt so bad about the way that I'd done it that I, I started writing this little tune. And um, it's just all about, you know, how, how the, the quarters are pretty close and it can be a challenge and then, you know, but it actually works out pretty nice when you're with someone you love. So the funny thing is, though, he came back and... Um, I thought he'd think this was such a sweet song and such a lovely apology, but he was just so cross that I wasn't studying. He said, I've been driving around, staying out of the house, and you wrote a song? You're supposed to be writing a paper. What did you do? What a waste of your time. (laughs) Our house is too small. There's no room at all. I'm sick of bumping into things and feeling too tall. Can't wear a hat, let alone swing a cat and romance involving dancing. Well, forget about that. But imagine living in a house with ten rooms or more. How would we remember just what each one was for? And though I'm sure I could get used to some of a mansion's charms, I'd have to learn to turn around without landing in your arms. So we'll keep our little nest and try to do our best. I know you live you live outside of New York City now, right? Just a little. We just live just north of the Bronx. Okay, great. And uh, which is obviously where you're from originally. So uh, talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm from uh, I'm from a little bit more south than that. I'm right, from Australia, right. actually South Australia. What what city are you from? Or Adelaide. What town? Okay, and what's the jazz scene like there? I don't know anything about it at all. It's really great. There are a lot of fantastic musicians there, but it's just a it's a small ish place it's a really wonderful place to live and lots of fantastic musicians come from Adelaide and from Australia in fact the bass player on my record is from Australia and also Barney McCall who's um, on keyboards on the record um, I love you should say the bassist is Matt Cloacy Matt Matt Cloacy the bassist is um, yeah he's from Australia and Barney McCall um, great great musicians but when I was there it was I was playing mostly weddings and and doing private teaching so this is a really different scenario here so I love going back to play, but um, for now I'm definitely based in New York and just loving it. When did you start singing and realized it was something you were really committed to? Well, you know, it's kind of that cliched story of, you know, singing pretty much at the same time as as learning to talk. Um, And when I was very young, you know, before I was, I guess when I was about, you know, eight or nine, I started doing gigs in churches, you know, I would just sing one or two items in the church service because I come from a church family and I was singing in churches and then actually when I was 12 I um my mum took me to an audition for Les Mis and I got into Les Mis and that was an incredible experience and I decided for sure I knew that what I wanted to do for the rest of my life was be in musicals and that was sort of the plan for a little while and then then I actually went overseas um on a trip with World Vision, I decided I wanted to be a doctor, and so I kind of abandoned singing for a little while. Um, but then I realised that it was what I really wanted to do. So, 
I went um, and I did a little bit of classical study because that seemed the legitimate thing to do out of high school and that didn't really have the freedom or it just didn't resonate with me in the same way that jazz does. And so my brother is um, a huge jazz fan and I was listening to a lot of his jazz records and I switched into the jazz program and from there it just progressed. I'm in a spin around you, a satellite in constant motion. Can't seem to win your attention, my just your true love and devotion. You can't seem to care, hardly aware that I'm caught up in circles orbiting around you. Every new spin in this elliptical path makes me dizzy. But if I leave, I can only ask you to sigh. Tell me, where is he now? Lost in your spin, darling, and When did you make the decision to come to the States? I made the decision to come to the States when I decided to do my master's, which they don't really, at that time in Australia, they weren't really set up to do that in universities. And my intention had been to to do my master's and to go back home to Australia to continue my teaching job in the university because I'd been teaching there. Um, And I got a Fulbright scholarship to come and study here. And um, it's just been too hard to leave. (laughs) So now I'm doing my doctorate at New England Conservatory and living in New York and commuting between Boston and New York. So it's quite a hectic lifestyle and a kind of strange way to stay in the country. And what are you doing your doctorate in? Jazz performance. Wow. Okay, great. And who are you studying with at NEC? At the moment, I'm studying with Danilo Perez, which is really, really wonderful. And I've also been really fortunate to study with Dominique Eid and Jerry Bagonzi and John McNeil. Um, So that's been really, really wonderful. It's such a great, great program. How are you incorporating some of the things that you're learning? What differences are you hearing in your songwriting or in your performance? Is it helping you kind of expand the palette that you use when you're singing? Well, I'm actually the only jazz major in my year in the doctoral program. It's a very small program, and and the rest of the musicians are classical musicians. So the academic side of it, and in fact most of it, is really coming from a classical perspective. So that's had quite an effect on my playing and listening because I'm being exposed to all sorts of music that frankly I dodged for so many years and now (laughs) I'm exposed to it whether I like it or not but it's been really wonderful I've been trying to do some jazz arrangements of some foray and just a, a few different composers that I've always loved but haven't really felt that I I suppose that I had a right to to be involved with but now I'm I'm seeing ways to incorporate that into into my into my playing and arranging and writing and Danilo um, is a very challenging, wonderful teacher who is forcing me to write and write and write. And so that's been a big change because I've always been an arranger. I work 
I always feel more comfortable working with pre-existing material and putting my own sounds into it. So working with a blank canvas is really intimidating for me when I, I see all that silence and, and um, how to fill it or not to fill it is, is, is a real, really daunting task for me. But he's, he's making me become more comfortable, as he says, every week, bring me a new tune, bring me a new tune. I don't, I don't wow. care what it sounds like, but it's got to be new. So. And why is it important to you to pursue an academic study of the music? You know, there are a lot of practical factors that, that are involved in me choosing to do a doctorate. It probably isn't something I would have chosen to do just from a musical perspective, and that, but um, I love to teach. I really, really do love to teach, and, and I always expect that that's going to be a fairly important part of what I do, regardless of what kind of success I'm fortunate enough to have as a performer. Um, so the doctorate's going to help with that, but it also it really just has exposed me to a lot of a lot of really interesting music and also just different thought, um, approaching art from lots of different levels, thinking about art in lots of different ways. And one of the really exciting things has has been to maybe widen my idea of what I think art is, what I think music is, and how we are connected to dance and visual art and and the written word, you know. So that's been a real challenge, but it's been an exciting one. Have you done multimedia work, or do you plan to, kind of combining your music and dance? or? No, I actually, have, I have the first gig coming up uh, in a Carnegie Hall series coming up with um, James Ship and Stephanie Richards. James is the percussionist and vibraphonist on the album, and Stephanie Richards is a wonderful trumpet player from Montreal who uh, the three of us met at the Fred Hirsch Professional Training Workshop at Carnegie Hall, and it was a, a workshop in improvisation in a solo duo and trio uh, setting. So, and it's all very free and really daunting for someone like me who likes things planned out. Um, but we are going to do a concert for a gallery, uh, for an exhibition opening in Jamaica. And we're going to be able to view some of the art beforehand. And some of our set will be inspired by the art that's there. So that'll be exciting. Yeah. And you just mentioned Fred Hirsch. And you are involved with his pocket orchestra that's right um i'm a new member of the fred hirsch pocket orchestra which is a a baseless quartet it's a percussion and trumpet and voice and the wonderful fred hirsch on piano and the repertoire is almost entirely comprised of his compositions and it's a really interesting setting i'm very attached to the bass so it's a really exciting challenge to be away from that foundation because fred has the widest range of any of us. He's above me and Ralph Alessi, who's on trumpet, and he's below any of us as well. He's providing sort of the entire musical landscape, um, which is, you know, when it's Fred Hirsch, that's just fine. Right. <laughs> so that's great. And Richie Bache is on drums. And we did a couple of nights at the Standard a few months ago, and that was a really wonderful success. So that will be recorded hopefully in the coming months on Palmetto. That'll be coming out. Uh, hopefully fairly early next year. Fantastic. And did you meet Fred from that workshop that you were talking about? Is that how you got involved with the band? No, I've known Fred for a few years. Fred is a wonderful supporter of vocalists, and he's very interested in vocalists and also a new vocalist. So he's always got his finger on the pulse of who is singing and who is... um, who is really pushing the limits of what's going on in, in the jazz vocal realm he's not he's certainly not somebody who feels that a jazz vocalist's role is to wear the nice dress and right. and please the 
the commercial um, the commercial customers, I suppose. He really uh, is also interested in a vocalist being an integrated member of the ensemble, um, for which there isn't that much of a precedent. So it's 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 a challenge trying to work out how to be less upfront. Um, but I met him through Kate McGarry, actually, because uh, Kate is on his incredible record, Leaves of Grass, the Walt yeah, Whitman project, and that's so wonderful. And he is on... Um, a couple of her albums, Mercy Streets, I believe, which features his composition, Stars. And um, we were introduced through... A f- we just kept bumping into each other a few times. And then one day he, he called and said, hey, let's get together and play a few songs. And he sent me some of his songs. And little did I know that it was an audition of sorts. I thought it was just a bit of a session. But it turned out to be an audition. And thank goodness it turned out that I passed. So I'm in the project. It sounds like there must be an amazing amount of listening required to play in that group with, with that foundation and that much interplay. There is. It's, um, it's very challenging, and I'm the most, not in age, but in experience, I'm by far the most junior member of that group, and it was very eye-opening to do the four sets at the standard and the energy and concentration required to maintain that level of listening was... Um, something that I'm really going to have to to step up to, um, because also, as a vocalist, you you can get used to um, being expected at least to just sit back and relax when it's not your solo and to not be on all the time. You know, you sing the head and then you get out of the way. Right. Whereas this is very very intense and and it's a challenge that I'm excited to to meet, but it's 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 certainly. It's certainly quite a, quite a task, especially with Fred's music is so intricate and he has such strong, wonderful ideas of, of what he wants. And at least that's one thing that, that is really helpful is that he may be very demanding in a, in a wonderful way, but he lovingly guides you through what he wants and he gives so much more than he expects. Um, and he just, you know, but he expects a lot. Sure. But he'll he'll walk you through. If you're prepared to go with it, he'll walk you through what you need to to meet the challenge. 
How do you find it uh, finding kind of challenging or rewarding environments to put yourself in as a as a vocalist? Is it harder than for instrumentalists? I think so. I have been very lucky so far. I got to play with Donna McCaslin in, in a new project and also this project with Fred. It's something that is very, very dear to my heart. Um, perhaps because I'm not really... Um, I'm not... I don't consider myself a composer, although I do write and I'm considering myself more so. Um, I... I suppose my dream job is, is in some ways, is, is as a sideman because I love to be involved in somebody else's project and for my job to be making their music sound great. But so it's not very often that somebody wants a vocalist to do that and sometimes that's because they steal the show, even if they don't want to. Uh, we're so ready to connect with a vocalist because you have that instrument. You walk around and you use it all day, every day. We sure. all have a voice and so we connect very strongly with the vocalists. So it's quite hard sometimes not to immediately gravitate toward that member of the group. And if that's not the focus, if the music and the ensemble is meant to be the focus, it's, it's a challenge to try to integrate a vocalist into the ensemble and not have it be the feature. Um, so I really understand the reticence of instrumentalists to do that, but I'm very thankful that some are willing to because it's what I love to do, perhaps most of all. Being in an ensemble is, is the greatest joy. What's coming up for you next? Well, there's Fred's project, which I'm so excited about. There's um, graduation is coming up in not too long. <laughs> I'll, I'll be finished the heaviest part of my study. I have, the biggest thing is that I have my CD release coming up at Cornelia Street in New York, Cornelia Street Cafe, on November 14th. So I'll be releasing the album, and this is my very first album, and so I'm terribly excited about it. So that's the big thing, and I'm really excited about seeing where that goes. I hope to do an Australian tour in late 2009 or early 2010 and, and just start shaping up to, to perhaps take this music to a little bit of a wider audience. I've been really lucky to play around New York at the 55 Bar and Cornelia Street and the Standard and some venues there, but I haven't been able to share it really outside my local area. So I'm very excited about moving it beyond the five boroughs. Well, it's it's fantastic. I, I haven't heard the record yet, but the, if it's anything like the live performance, I'm I'm prepared to be impressed. Uh, the album is called "I Want to Be Happy," and it's Jill Lorraine. I thank you so much for talking with us today. Thanks, Jason. It's been a pleasure.
That was Joe Laurie from her new album, I Want to Be Happy. You've been listening to The Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is available for free in iTunes and at thejazzsession.com. The site also features a link to our cause of the month, and this month it's Musicians Village, a partnership of Habitat for Humanity and folks like Branford Marsalis and Harry Connick Jr. It's in New Orleans, Louisiana, and coming up in the weeks ahead, there'll be uh, several shows on the jazz session uh, dedicated to New Orleans and its cultural recovery. For more interviews and reviews, please visit allaboutjazz.com, the world's largest jazz website. You'll find transcripts of many of these shows there, plus the writing of hundreds of other fantastic jazz reviewers and fans. You can always contact the show via email. Just send it to jason at thejazzsession.com. There's also a contact page on the website. And we've got a mailing list as well. It's also at thejazzsession.com. You sign up, you get some periodic updates about the folks who are on the show and who are coming up, plus news about contests and CD giveaways and other kinds of things. Don't forget that the theme music for this show is by the wonderful band The Respect Sextet online at respectsextet.com, and Dave Rabel designed all the graphics for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Thank you for listening. Bye.